You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state. Just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols, and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole ESPN Radio begins right now, Sweet 16 edition. Boom. I'm Jeff. You can see Corey. You can see Ira. He's got a phone call. Man, people don't know. They don't know what's going on. Come on, everybody. Uh, this hour brought to you by our friends at Register Sausage. Best sausage in all the land. Yay, sausage. I just I just had the uh, jalapeno cheddar for lunch. In fact, it might have been from your supply, Jeff, because, you know, Corey and I met with Ben a couple weeks ago, yep. and, and uh, we got a supply. I let you know. I notified you out of the goodness of my heart, being a good well, teammate. You're not trying to hide it from me. Yeah. I let you know that it's here. You know where I live. Just come by and get your sausage. But no, so you know what? You might be down a pack of jalapeno cheddars. If I'll Iris replace it. Sausage. Iris doling out sausage to other people now. It's not for you anymore, Jeff. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get that sausage. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 replace it from my supply from my frozen supply. Mm. So you'll get it. But uh, but I had to hey, uh, had so to jump Ira. on that. Let me ask you, you you know what? That's my fault. I take full blame for that. And so you go ahead and you don't worry about replacing it. You just let me have the rest of that sausage. What are you guys doing right now? I don't know. He's <laughs> trying, to find my, trying to find my power strip because uh, my laptop's about to die. Well, that's oh, a problem. boy. You, you guys, uh, you guys talk, I'm going to mute myself. You guys uh, talk without me. What a great but not start. A, but, not, but not about me. No, but I can do this easily because I actually want you guys to kind of carry the day. Sometimes it's my turn to lead. Sometimes I need to drop 27 or 22 like Anthony Polite. Sometimes I got to be that guy. Other times I need Corey Clark and Ira to step up, maybe score 16 apiece. 
Well, I can I, tell you it ain't Ira. He's not even on the screen anymore. He's all right, Corey, so building. I'm, Corey, I'm going to go for 20. I need you to go for 25 tonight. All right, here <laughs> yeah, we go. Try. I'll this try. Go. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, dear listeners, you can tell uh, when we take a week off, it doesn't just come right back. It's not like riding a bike with these guys. It takes a while to get back into our rhythm. Um, I'm having a problem with my AirPods. They're, I just threw them in the fireplace. I'm so mad at them. Ira's not even on the screen. Uh, Jeff is in rush. He couldn't even get the he couldn't even get the Skype uh, the, the call started. So mm-hmm. we apologize for the frenetic start, but it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a great show. I feel like it. It definitely will be a great show. We really don't do bad shows, so even our worst is better than everybody else's. Well, best. we're putting that to the test. I think, especially I think, in this first segment. So how about I do this? How about I just throw you a softball, big shooter, since you drove to Indianapolis. Yeah. And I want to say this before you give us the lowdown. I've been to Indianapolis multiple times. One of the most underrated cities in America. It is a fantastic city. I don't disagree with you. The downtown is really cool. It's a livable, walkable. You can get on scooters. They're everywhere. You can mm-hmm. get on scooters and scoot all around the city. But, yeah, man, it's a cool vibe. Uh, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium and, he, and not Hinkle, the other one. Baker's Life is right there in the heart of the city. They got a cool downtown district with a lot of bars and restaurants, a lot of open seating right now. Had tents outside. Some of the restaurants, establishments put tents outside and they shut down the the streets so people could take their food and their drinks outside under a tent. Yeah, man, I really liked it. It was a little sad because a lot of, not a lot, but I would say 35% of the places we looked to eat uh, had been closed or were closed for the time being. So that was a little sad. That kind of reminded you of what the year has been. But otherwise, man, yeah, I liked Indianapolis a lot. It was a cool town. It's, it, it's a very underrated city. I left I left for, I don't know, 120 seconds to get my power supply. And I come back and we're getting Corey's review of Indianapolis. I, I, mean, I, I offered it up. I offered it up, Ira. That's on me. I wanted to hear it because I think it's a great city. Well, I mean, okay, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> By the way, you know what? We're not going to have these technical technical problems anymore. Corey with his earbuds, which never work, or his AirPods yeah. never work, <laughs> and me with the power supply. Because man, we're all we're getting all vaxxed up. We're going to yeah. be. We got to. We got to get back in the in the studio at some point, right? Is that going to happen? Absolutely. I had my second shot yesterday. I'm done. I'm ready to go. I'm going to start kissing strangers. I am going to lick. I'm going to lick doorknobs. Mm. I'm going to. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. I'm. I, I'm. I'm free. I'm Superman in this bitch. It is on. Everybody, yeah. come on in. Breathe all over the mics. I don't care. I got my. I got my last one, and I'm going to get my last one like April eighth or ninth. Uh, and then after that, baby, I. I can't wait to see how I act. It's going to be like a wolf out in the wild. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I'm just going to go after everything. I don't care anymore. It's been. I'm pent up. <laughs> I'm sure Stephanie's going to feel good yeah. to hear that. I didn't, I didn't mean like a know, wolf in the wild. Kind of I'm going to go after everything. <laughs> what do you think? What would, what would she think? I don't you know, know. Shaking, shaking hands and saying hey to people. That's what uh, I'm doing. I was thinking you were, I was thinking you were pulling a Deshaun Watson allegedly. Good I'm like, man, that's, that's crazy stuff. They keep, they keep coming out of the woodwork too. Yeah. You know, by the way, I said this on the air. We, of course, it's all allegedly right now. We believe in the judicial system. We'll see what happens. He's innocent till proven guilty. There you go. I give you the obligatory. But, but what I, what I want to say though, is that I was as shocked to see these and read these and hear these allegations about Deshaun Watson as I was when I found out that Marvin Harrison is a Don Kingpin that will shoot your ass and not care. Like that's, when I read that, when you began to find out that Marvin one-time Harrison 
ran car washes with German elephant guns that he used to eliminate people and, you know, got monies from bars and all this other stuff. I was like, what? Marvin Harrison hasn't said a word to anybody in 20 years. Maybe we know why now. But I was stunned. And I'm not saying Deshaun's guilty. I'm not saying. And by the way, Marvin, if you're listening, I, I don't know. I don't know about you. I know nothing about you. That's you, all say, you, did, you didn't throw an alleged in there for Marvin Harrison. You just said this is what he did. Well, I think we. I think is we kind of have overwhelming evidence with Marvin. But anyhow, that's it. Any, has anybody ever seen the, the, the Sports Illustrator writer that wrote that story? Have they ever seen him again? <laughs> is, is that guy still alive? Is that S.L. Price? Who was that? I don't know, man. But I, w- I would not want in my byline. That's one where I would have written it and said, hey, Corey, I'm going to let you have this byline, buddy. Yeah. I'm going to give this gold to you, baby. <laughs> you get this SL, gold. S.L. dead. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, which – which other uh, which other town you want to review next, Corey? Any t- one of the other cities you passed through on the you way? You know what's crazy about this show is we didn't even get because we we didn't do it last week. We didn't even get to vent about the ACC tournament and that debacle of the championship game. And now it's a distant memory. I don't even want to bring it up. I just did, yep. but I don't mean to. But like how how the fortunes have changed. Um, just how different this show will sound compared to what it would have sounded like last week before the NCAA tournament and right after that debacle in the second well, half against Georgia Tech. Well, well, let me ask you this, though, also, because I think it brings up another interesting point, is so we all talk about how it's championships that matter and banners that matter, and and that was such a big lost opportunity. But right now, Florida State's still playing. Georgia Tech's sitting at home. They got they were one and done, because partly because of COVID, but I also don't think that was a team that was probably going to make a, a great run in the tournament. And so – how do you ju- how do you evaluate these seasons? Like is Georgia Tech, I mean, yeah, years from now they're going to have that banner, but in the next twelve months or so, are people going to feel better about Georgia Tech season or Florida State season? I, well, I, okay, I look at it two angles. Um, Corey, you stand down for a second. Um, I, I look at it from two angles. As a null, I want to say I'm still going to be disappointed many moons from now when I look back and I see the path to the easiest ACC title ever presented. You've got to hold on to a 16-point lead against a bad North Carolina team and roll it out there, Roy, and or beat an ass-sorry Notre Dame team and you get housed, or beat Georgia Tech, sorry ass, and you can't do any of those things. That will always bother me that you didn't get to unfurl that banner with the path being what that was. Florida State's better than all those teams by not just a little bit, but by a lot. And so that aggravates me. But is it going to be the only thing I think about with this season? Of course not, because I'll immediately switch gears to the fact that they went back to the Sweet 16. We all know this would have been the fourth consecutive year in the Sweet 16 had they not got screwed the year before. And obviously, Ira, if they win this next game against Michigan and knock off a one seed and go to the Elite Eight, that is the, that is the overlying story of the season more than a lost opportunity. But, but just from a selfish knoll, I would have liked to have seen both those banners unfurled because they really had an easy path. But right now, I'm just hyper-focused on the tournament because I'm excited. And don't you think, though, that they have now accomplished something? No matter what happens on Sunday, they're a Sweet 16 team. I know it's two wins in the NCAA tournament. It's all about matchups, and it, it can be arbitrary to a point, or, or luck of the draw kind of to a point. But that will be on the banner when they unfurl the NCAA 2021 NCAA tournament banner. It will say Sweet 16. It might say Elite Eight. It might say Final Four. But they did accomplish something this year. So um, all the goodwill that was built up in January and the early part of February, uh, I still think you're going to look positively on this team 
no matter what happens on Sunday. It's just, again, yeah, you missed a chance there to really uh, to really make it a, a, a memorable season. Th- th- those two chances, the Notre Dame, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, those three chances, you missed an opportunity. But the good news is, yeah, like I said, they're still alive. You got a, you got a chance now to do something that no team at Florida State has done in 50 years. I, so I, there's yeah. still something out there. Yeah, and I, you know, obviously, Jeff, you'd lo- you would love to have both. You know, because it was right there. You'd love to have the AC title and you'd love to go to the Sweet 16 or go beyond. But if you had won the ACC and somehow got bounced in the Correct. first or second yeah, round, yeah, yeah. It, you, that's a total disaster. Whereas right now, everybody kind of feels good. One thing I wanted to touch on, Corey, you wrote about it after the game. And uh, you said you thought some fans might feel like it's a disappointment because of where FSU is now as a program. This is the basically, we're going to call it their four straight Sweet 16 appearance because yeah. they would have gone last year. If If they don't go past this, you know, will people be disappointed? I think that's BS. If anybody's disappointed about not going to the Elite Eight on a year you lost two lottery picks in Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams and an all-time point guard, point guard Trent Forrest, I get it. I understand where you say the program is at this point. But, man, there's no way anybody thought coming into this year that it was Elite Eight or bust. So it's I don't think it's fair to say it would be a disappointment to not get past this round. I think they could, and I think there's a, a decent chance they will. But I – I don't think that's fair. If people are going into if people are going to be mad about not going to the Elite Eight in, in a year like this, to me that's kind of BS. I don't, I don't think mad is the word I use. I, I think they would be disappointed. I think that's a that, and I wasn't saying that I would be. I no, mean, you they, said fans. You they, said, and I, but I think I think this is what happens when you build up programs like this. Like now, this is the hump. It used to be getting to the tournament was the hump. Now getting to the Final Four is the hump. And each year you get this far and don't get there. It'll be a layer of disappointment. Not not like you don't think that not that you're not excited about where the program is, but there is a layer of disappointment that you don't get to the final four when you have you've given yourself now another opportunity to do so. It's gonna be tough. Michigan's good. Well, you can't get to the final four without beating somebody that's good. So that's always gonna be the case once you get here. Let me just say this. There's there's two ways to look at this. And it's interesting because you know you have these things simultaneously being true. I think if you lose and you don't get to the Elite Eight with the consistency that we've now shown, the standard has changed to, to which you hold this team, you might have a layer of disappointment. You might be like, damn, man, I, I thought we might get to the Elite Eight this year because we keep going back and giving ourselves these chances. On the other hand, you're absolutely right, Ira. I think any objective, fair-minded Florida State fan looks at this and says, wait a minute. I mean, they lost – two lottery picks, a top five pick for Christ's sakes, and the heart and soul of the program and, and you know, in Trent Forrest. And they still, not even playing their best brand of basketball, walked into the Sweet 16. I mean, they beat Colorado's ass and they didn't even play that well. And so th- this is, that's what the new standard is for Florida State. You know, go back to the beginning of the year when we were all talking and I said, the, the beautiful thing is that Florida State basketball is even able to provide disappointment for people. For so long, there was no such thing. They were irrelevant. Nobody cared enough about the program to be disappointed by it. And or they hadn't achieved So there was no way to be disappointed because what are you comparing it to? Now, the basketball program is so good that basically starting next year, and that's what this run does, starting next year, if they don't go back here, people are going to be like, what the hell was that? That's how good they – he realizes he just cussed and then uh, dude, I literally I've been sitting here for the last 20 seconds thinking, okay, is he gonna write it down? I'm just gonna watch. I didn't jump in and yeah. and tell him to write it down. I want to make sure he knew. 
but he was so passionate though. I, I was wondering as well, like I thought he might've been caught up in the moment. Then I was even looking for on the Skype thing to see the time. So I, if I could remind him, but I couldn't see it, but no, man, uh, we're, we're all on the same page here. We're all, we're, uh, what's the answer, Jeff? Did you know? I did know. And I uh, know that it happened at about the 1330 mark. So we're okay, man. <laughs> I'm a pro. I got this thing. We got it. And I didn't what? jot it down because I was making a, a, a salient point. Right. It was a very salient point. So, do I we... thought it was a point, quite honestly. Oh, Come no. on, man. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I, didn't but... open the bro- I didn't open the doors for you. <laughs> I thought that's what we were doing. I thought this was one of those shows. Seminole Headlines, 97 ID, Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. So, so do people, at this point, do people care? what? Because it's interesting to me what went wrong because – in the second half of the Colorado game, I thought that was the first time we've seen them play the way they used to play. Mm-hmm. You know, do people care at this point? Uh, do, do we need to do the, the analysis right now of figuring out what went wrong during yeah. that stretch of five games? Or is that something we want to think about later or do we even can, care anymore? Can, well, can we? Because I want to ask you this. I want to. I've all, got a theory, by the way. I've got a theory. Oh, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you posit that in one second. Here's the softball to both of you. You guys should crush this. So we know how Leonard keeps everything pretty close to the vest, right? But we also, the three of us, are probably better connected to this basketball program than anybody else on the beat. It's not even close. It's the three of us. It's hands down this podcast, us three, dominating Ooh, right. the inside information for Florida State basketball. It's because we've been doing it a long time, and frankly, Leonard likes the three of us more than he likes everybody else. So <laughs> I know that – I know that I'm able to call him. You're able to call him. We're all able to text. We've got our sources. You know, the great Chuck Walsh likes us more than he likes the rest of the people on the beat. Not that he dislikes those guys, but it's us. It's about us. So what I would tell you about that is I think more than anything, what's been revealed to me is that they just straight up were hurt. They were just hurt. Everybody was injured. Like, it seems to me Leonard was most excited after that game, not just because they embraced defense, but because it looks like they're getting healthy finally. Like, everybody might be getting healthy at the same time. Um, you know, MJ. I've been pointing this out for a month and a half, has really played like ass. Um, we haven't seen the, the Scotty Barnes from the you know, middle part of the season either. I think he was hurt. We know Anthony Polite was hurt. He missed a ton of time. Boss has had the thumb issue and all kinds of issues. One, the second half. It, was it just that they were all hurt? Dude, once Ngom gets healthy, I'm telling you guys. Oh, Jesus, don't start yeah. with me. I'm, tell- I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not, hey, listen, I'll, I'll say this, and I want to hear Corey's theory. Ira. I almost texted you the other night when he caught the ball underneath the basket without a soul near him and just chucked it into the stands per usual. Look, look and now. I was like, man, I can't do this. I'm not even going to bother. He's going to be healthy in 2022. <laughs> and he's going to – Oh, he's the, hurt. He's, he's hurt. That's what it some, is. Somebody's going to remind him he's got opposable thumbs. And this whole uh, thing, man, uh, is – is, there was a lot. I'm sure there was a lot of uh, curse words being hurled his way from people watching around <laughs> the state of Florida – when my man just straight dropped the ball out of bounds on a – Oh, I mean, my God. I all he did was he at least scored. What was he your theory? Scored was your, on that let's, play. Let's, let's not digress. What was your theory, Corey? But, Ira, let's, please tell me that you at least temporarily thought of me when that happened. Oh, yeah, of course. And, and not only that, but people, <laughs> people now are, like, tweeting at me every time he does something. So. <laughs> Go ahead, Corey. So, uh, so, yeah, Jeff's theory is right, too. Malik Osborne was hurt, too. So – now, I don't think Scotty Barnes is still right. Like, I watched him. I had the benefit of being there in huddles, walking off the court, sitting on the, tr- sitting on the side. 
they're always looking at him and monitoring him. There's something obviously quite not right with him physically uh, in the lower lower extremities. But my theory was, we've seen this from Florida State programs all the time. They'll have a really dominant run in the middle of the season, look great, and then they'll take a little bit of a dip in February sometimes, lose to somebody they're not supposed to lose to, struggle with teams they should beat handily, and then sometimes they'll pick it back up going into the ACC tournament or going towards the end of the regular season. Well, they didn't get their February this year. They didn't get a chance to dip. Like, you know what I mean? Because they only played 22 games. So the end of their regular season this year would have been February 19th last year or the year before that. So I think we might have just seen that. They were hitting a lull, which Florida State teams will hit occasionally, even the good ones. They'll hit a lull where you're like, man, what happened to this team? And then they'll turn it back on later at the end of the year. And I thought maybe that's kind of what, I mean, that Notre Dame, North Carolina, Georgia Tech game, um, all just didn't look, it didn't look anything like what we saw this weekend on the defensive side. No, didn't even look like the same team. Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of those things. And then also, I do think, you know, when I interviewed CY last week uh, on our site, warchant.com, that um, people can go back and find it on YouTube, on our YouTube page. But he said, you know, look, part of the problem for not just us, but all college basketball teams this year has been just the the protocols for COVID. You know, kids haven't gone home since the summer. They couldn't go home to see their families in Christmas. Uh, they don't get to go socialize as much as they normally do. And so it's it's been a – there's been some things inside the team where guys gotten frustrated with each other, just gotten tired of seeing each other because they're not getting any releases. They're just always around each other. So I think it's all of these things. But, man, it's it's nice to see them defend the way they're defending because I almost forgot they could defend like this. You know, mm-hmm. I, and, 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 and Corey, you know, the story Corey just did on the site uh, last night, you know, they did lead the ACC in field goal percentage defense. It's not like they've been an, a, a below average defensive team. They've been a, a solid good for anybody else's standards defensive team this year. But because they've been so good offensively, it feels like that's kind of maybe taking a step back. For them to defend this way and then to see the fruits of that, like I think they have to feel that's contagious. Now, because now Scotty Barnes and those guys can see what it looks like when you guard like that and what it does to the other team. Then if they start shooting the ball at all, man, I mean, they could, they, they could, we'll see, but they could really put on a, an impressive performance against Michigan if they put all that I, together. I feel like, you know, what's exciting to me is, okay, so they dedicate themselves on the defensive end because quite clearly they've become, or at least going into the tournament, had become really bogged down, stagnant, sort of pounding the ball on the floor, sorry on offense. And guys couldn't make shots. And MJ has not been anywhere close to the player he was. And so they go into this tournament and they know if we're going to win, we're going to have to dominate on defense. But there's a eureka moment here too. I feel like certainly the second half of the Colorado game is a testament to this. All of that defense led them to find their offense. Right. All of a sudden, you know, they're getting transition baskets, easy baskets. They're dominating on the defensive end. They're getting rebounds and kicking out and getting open looks. And all of a sudden, a few of those drop, and they're like, oh, this is how it, this is how it works. This is it right here. And seeing the ball go through the hoop is a magic potion, guys. You know that, right? I mean, we all talk about this, but it's, it's, I bring this analogy up all the time. If you're a hitter and you haven't had a hit, in several you know games, it doesn't matter if you're facing Nolan Ryan or some bum. If you get a hit, a bleed, or anything, and you see it fall and you get off the schneid, you begin to feel confident the next time you step in the box. 
these guys got to feel a lot better about themselves going into the Michigan game because they know they can defend and they saw the ball go through the hoop in the second half of the Colorado game. Well, and that's yeah. what Ingham was thinking when he took the three. So, so like, I got to just see this thing <laughs> go through the basket. I like the fact that my man, there was no hesitation. Yeah, he was in he rhythm. Up. Uh, but no, I mean, I, to your point, Jeff, I agree. You know, in the first half, they were getting stops. My concern was at 24 20 at halftime or whatever it was. Was that what it was? 28 24? 24 20. Oh, my gosh. And it should have been 24 18. Yeah. They, they got the, threw tip the ball in. away with five seconds left. Um, but if, uh, but at that point, I was thinking, man, at some point, Colorado is going to realize, hey, we're in this. And we, if we could just figure out something on offense, we could still win this game. But I thought in the second half, they didn't just get stops, but, you know, Sadar gets a run out. I mean, they, they got, they've started getting points off the defense. And I, you know, and I do think that was a big difference. And, man, I think at this point, I, I got to think that team has been playing with tremendous pressure on it also since, man, it's probably since the Virginia game and, and all those opportunities to close out the conference and not doing it and then not winning the ACC tournament, and then going into the NCAA tournament, I'm sure they felt some pressure. But I think at this point, you're going up against a one seed. I think this is the first time in a long time that they've got to be loose. I mean, I, I would think offensively to just, you know, they know, I mean, I, there, there's no pressure on Florida State at this point, I don't think. Yeah, this is the first game. It might be the first game all season where they haven't been expected to win. So uh, yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that frees them up a little bit to like let's go prove that we're better than these guys, but not like oh gosh, I hope we don't lose. I think that that mindset should be on the other on the other bench and not Florida State's. But also, you got to quit turning the ball over six times in the first five minutes. It's just it's patently absurd. You it just you can't beat Michigan doing that. You can't just you're going to miss shots. They're really good defensively. You can't just throw them the ball and say there's a possession we don't need. You at least make them earn their turn their the turnovers. Don't just throw the ball out of bounds or through people's well, legs. We get back to the uh, the Billis cliche moment here, but it's accurate. I mean, at least not commit live ball turnovers that lead to easy baskets. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, throw it away, throw it into next week. I mean, you know, that's fine. Throw it over the basketball stanchion, like make it a Raquan Evans shot. You know, something that's just hideous. So, I mean, that's like you, you can if you do that. Um, then you can live with the turnovers because they've lived with the turnovers all year. If you go by a per-possession basis, I've been screaming about this since the first week of the season. They don't value the basketball. It is a huge weakness for this team for whatever reason. They turn the ball over like it's their job. Some games, obviously, worse than others. Some are record-setting, like the Georgia Tech game. Yeah. Um, but, but, but to me, they're so good defensively. That if they just turn it over by chucking it into the stands, as opposed to letting somebody go, you know, dunk it on the other end, you'll live with that. They can get stops. They can get stops. So, I mean, they're going to turn it over. They're not suddenly not going to turn it over. I don't know what any, you know, what what evidence we have that that's going to stop. Well, you just, I mean, even in that game, even when they were putting uh, Colorado away, there was a pass Scotty made where he just kind of like one-handed floated a pass across the, and it didn't get picked up, but I'm not sure how it didn't get picked up. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, because well, so, Colorado had quit at that point. But they, you know, that yeah, valuing the basketball is not not a strong point. But man, again, if they guard like that, you're not here. the The issue for me though is, I mean, you're not going to get any, you're not going to get 22 points from Anthony Polite again. Um, so it's back to MJ. It's back to Scotty producing something offensively. I do think Raquan Raquan Gray is at the point now. I think he's. I'm, you'd like to think he's over whatever it was in the ACC tournament, um, and he's going to get back to a guy that can be more dependable. If Balsa can stay on the court, it is a big deal. Um, That's a big if. 
<laughs> but uh, I mean, at least you know, yeah, we'll see. I just I I would think that the, them feeling better about themselves. I think the way they played in the second half of that game should translate to better offense. And if the defense, if they keep this up defensively, they're going to be in the game. Oh, they go into this game with more than a puncher's chance. I thought if you had told me before the start of the NCAA tournament, given the way Florida State ended the season, that tomorrow they had to go play Michigan, I'd be like, well, get ready for an ass stomping. And so we've come along in these two games. We fought through Florida State's fought through the problems to to get to a point now where I'm like, oh, they could easily beat Michigan. Not it won't be easy to beat Michigan, but they could easily. They, you know, there's no crazy. You're not crazy to predict them to beat Michigan. Well, and, you know, think of the other two number one seeds that are left. You'd much rather be playing this number one seed than those two. Um, well, the draw was awesome. Florida State yeah, and you, you get Michigan, who's a very good team, and they beat LSU without Isaiah Livers, but Isaiah Livers is their best player. And if he's not playing, you couldn't ask for a better matchup with a one seed than a team playing without its best player. Uh, probably, we think. Yeah. And even if he's playing, he's going to be slowed considerably. Um, so they, they're a number one seed because Isaiah Livers is really good. If Isaiah Livers hadn't played with them all year, they probably wouldn't be a one seed. I'm, and, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. And the reality is that they're, they're two and one since they lost him. He, uh, they lost their first game without him in the, to Ohio state in the, in the big 10 tournament, a team they had beaten in Columbus, yeah. uh, earlier that, that season. So obviously it had a big impact there. And since they've been in the tournament, they were one seed. So they beat Texas Southern, who was a 16. And then they kind of muddled through, uh, and made a rally to kind of come back and beat LSU. And LSU is not, you know, talking. I was talking to our buddy Jim Lamar the other day. He watched that game from start to finish. I didn't watch all of it, but he was just talking about how LSU doesn't really defend at all. Nope. So, so this is going to be a new experience for them as well. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Corey, I was wondering, like, when you're there watching it, it was pretty apparent on TV the Colorado just looked helpless. It almost looked like they like they were all looking like for a lifeline. Like, how do we run offense against this? What did it look like? You were pretty close, right? You had better seats for this one. I mean, that's a well, small arena. Yeah, yeah, it was because it was a small arena. Yeah, it was the, it was the same that it looked like on TV. I think you could see the frustration with the good guard McKinley Wright. Um, just I don't, I guess nobody had done that to him before. Like, you're not getting the ball. You're gonna have to bust your butt to get the ball. And there was a lot of talking when they would go to the bench to each other and the coaches like imploring doing so, you know, making these kind of hand motions, imploring them. You know, I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I bet it was, why don't y'all start making some shots? You big babies. It was something along those lines. Like they're not, they're not, you know, they're not the monsters. You can make some shots off these guys, but it was, it, it was quite clear at the first TV timeout. And that's why I wrote about it. Their, their frustration, they got punched back. Because you, 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 whoever it was, Georgetown let them do whatever they want. They could have scored 130 yeah. Georgetown. They, it was such a step up in defensive intensity, in uh, you know fundamentals, in cohesion that uh, they had no answer for it, and they were really flummoxed. Really, the whole game, the whole game, even the shots they made, save for a couple, were tough shots. Like they weren't yeah. easy shots. I, lo- I love the lo- their uh, coach after the game in his press conference. And he's like. Well, we did have some good looks at the rim. We just didn't make them. We got to make those shots. It's like, yeah, man, it's easy for you to say, stand over there on the bench, Tad Boyle, but yeah. you know, go out there with you know a bunch of six, eight, six, nine guys and start out Sadar Calhoun and all those guys, you know, jumping and draped all over you, and uh, you know maybe maybe you rush some of those shots near the basket that you wouldn't otherwise. 
I was bringing up the analogy yesterday. I was talking to Tom, and I was like, the first time when when you're a young kid and you're playing organized sports, you know, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but somewhere along the way, we all have this moment where you come across somebody who's a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger, and a little bit faster than anything you've ever seen before. And it's a eureka moment. It's, uh, it's you're like, oh, this is not good. I, I got nothing for this. I, I mean, you know, it's it's a bad feeling. And you're left in your head to think, well, what am I going to do? Because he ain't going to get slower. He's not going to get smaller. He's going to continue to bring it the rest of this game. And I've got to compete. So how, what do I do? Obviously, some of the things you do in a sport where you, you know, when, you, when you're trying to prevent something is you change your angle. But I don't, I don't know that I've seen two teams look more awe-inspired and nervous and sort of incredulous about Florida State's size than UNC Greensboro in Colorado in the first five minutes of each game. Greensboro adjusted, got back in, and Florida State played like ass almost the entirety of that game. But those kids realized they were going to have to make some acrobatic shots. They were going to have to use the rim as protection. They were, they, you know, wherever their normal spots were, they were going to have to take a step back another, you know, foot or two. They knew that it was a different animal, but they still had that faraway look in their eyes the first five minutes of the game. Colorado did as well. I mean, I felt like the first six minutes of that game, the looks on their faces was that of, well, what are what are we going to do now? Because these guys aren't going to get shorter. And that's just the worst feeling. In the, it's, it's one of the great joys of watching Florida State basketball over a number of years now is watching the other team kind of go, oh, man. And that's where a lack of familiarity that we talk about in the tournament really helps Florida State. Because in the ACC, people get used to Florida State size and they adjust. They know. They've seen them two or three times in some cases. These teams have never seen Florida State. You can watch film until you're blue in the face, but you step on the court and the first time a 6'9 point guard is guarding you as you bring the ball up the floor, it has to be pretty intimidating. <laughs> yeah, you would think. The, uh, yeah, and I actually think that, you know, you look at, um, you know, the last the, – the for Florida State, the second game of a weekend, I think they're always going to have a really big advantage because at least teams have a week to prepare for that first game. So at least Michigan has – you know, five or six days to really figure out how they can try to neutralize that size. What can they do and really preach the things they're going to need to do to, 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 to deal with it. And obviously they've got a big seven footer inside their guards. Aren't the same size as Florida state's guards though. So that's going to be a challenge, but they can work on that in that 48 hour turnaround. That's when I think teams really have a harder time. And so if Florida state can get past Michigan, I really like their chances to get past the second game. Um, Woo! Get giddy thinking about that, buddy. Would you be disappointed if they didn't get past that second game? No, I think Elite Eight would be satisfactory. In, I don't uh, believe you. I think uh, I think most Florida State fans would be very disappointed slash frustrated if they lost to, like, Alabama. And look, Alabama man, got to go to the final. Alabama's good. If you, Alabama's if, good this year. I hear you, man. But if you get – if. if I no, do not want to see point, people. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be like we got to get rid of Ham. He can't get us over the top. It's like, man – just one time, get let's get there one time. This is a this is a great chance. Don't blow it, kind of thing. That's all. Well, listen, you're not a victim of your own success. It changes the standard, and yep. you're held to that standard. And so, what happens is, all of a sudden, the appreciation that we had for just making the tournament tournament and being a so-called team of significance is the way Hamilton used to phrase teams that made the tournament on an annual basis. Yeah, that changes. Now making the tournament is no big deal. We always make the tournament. Nobody in the world listening to this who's a Florida State fan or even a basketball fan, nobody listening to this thinks that Florida State won't make the tournament next year. 
They know damn well Florida State's making the tournament next year. Easily. It won't even be difficult. They'll cruise into the tournament. It'll be a that's, three seed. That's, but that's changed. That's what I mean. That's what's changed. So, yeah, you're not a victim of that success. It just changes the standard. We do get into little arguments about, well, what's the new standard and where is disappointment? And Yeah, I mean, I think if, if next year, after going to the Sweet 16 this year, they're as good as we all think they're probably going to be, and they get back to the Sweet 16 and they don't make it, we might start entering into the territory of, well, you know, I'm going to need you to get to more than one Elite Eight. You know, it may happen. It might. Yeah. But not, it used but to be yet. like it went from you don't ever get us to the tournament to you don't ever win any games in the tournament, and now it'll be, oh, you, you're just going to stop at the Sweet 16 all the time, Leonard? Yeah. Is that yeah. what you're going to do? Right. Uh, yeah, that's just how that's that's well, the evolution of a program, and and that's why they were so devastated when they lost to Michigan three years ago yeah. because they they knew, you know, you don't get that many opportunities to get to the Final Four, and and you're if you're knocking on that door, man, here's your chance, and uh, you know, and you gotta give them a lot of credit for doing what they've done this year because last year should have been the year, you yeah, know, last year was the year everything was primed to really make that big run. The year before they had the injuries with Nichols and Kofer, um, they kind of sabotaged them a little bit, but. Um, yeah, man, it would be it would be cool if it was this team to to do something like this, especially. And you, again, this is something that you know we don't we probably don't reflect on enough. But when you think about the guys in this program who are carrying the day right now, especially in that game, you know, Anthony Polite, Wyatt Wilkes came, played good minutes. Um, you know, even Raekwon Gray when he when he came into the program versus what he is now, this is a development team. I mean, Scotty Barnes is the big five star guy, and and you know one and done, but this team has been really carried by guys who've developed in this program. Balsha in two years, what he's become, it's really a testament to what they've done. Cause this isn't a group of, Hey, roll it out there, Roy, you know, we've got better talent than everybody else. These are guys that have all been developed in the program. And it's, it's impressive. Seminole headlines. 97 ID ESPN radio continues. Seminole headlines. will take a breather. More next Seminole headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN radio. Well, there's no, there's no way that any of the other 16 teams left, the 15 teams left, have three role players and two starters, like three rotation players that redshirted. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's just not normal. They have, I mean, Osborne redshirted, but that's because he was transferring. But Wilkes, Polite, and Raekwon Gray, two of them are your best players, uh, are two of your best players redshirted. That just doesn't happen in modern day college basketball. It's a really unique team in that sense, and. A McDonald's All-American who's your leading scorer who's a fourth-year player. That Again, that doesn't happen a lot uh, in, in college basketball. So it's kind of a unique uh, team. It's a unique team period, but it's also probably a, a pretty cool team to cheer for because you have seen that development. No, Nobody in this call right now, the three of us, thought Raekwon Gray would ever be this dude. Mm-hmm. Or I'm on record as saying I don't know why Anthony Polite is even on this pro- in this program. I said it three years ago, like, this guy can't play. Same with Wyatt Wilkes, and they've just shut me up routinely for like the last two years. These guys are legitimate players. Anthony Polite, I don't know, man. He's a pro. I don't know if he's an NBA pro, but he's a pro. He's a 6'6 kid that can shoot. Dude, I I didn't realize it until the other night when I went back and looked. He's had a 3 in 19 of 20 games he's played in this year. That's kind of crazy. He's a good shooter. He's a a really really good good shooter and a great defender. Um, and I, I thought, I mean, I remember thinking, watching him in scrimmages, like, what is he doing here? Is it just because he's a legacy? Is he sure he's left-handed? The well, way we he did, shoots sometimes, he, I'm like, I don't know if he's really left-handed. I mean, the thing is, he's, you know, he, we, we, we thought he was going to be a point guard, and then you saw, you saw him, and you're like, I don't know about that. And then 
when you saw him shoot, it wasn't there. I mean, it just, he didn't shoot that way. And then, you know, he had the knee injuries and all that as well. Yeah. So uh, he's a different guy, but um, the other guy that was huge in that game that we probably don't talk enough, a lot enough about is Malik Osborne. I mean, it was like, yeah. it was like a return of Malik Osborne. That's another wild card that changes that team. Well, they, he changes the team completely. He's a physical nightmare for people. And if he's going to shoot the basketball, but then also play aggressive around the rim, it changes who we are. And I, I love Malik Osborne. I have all year. I've loved him for a couple. You know, listen, we, we loved him last year. And I know uh, our, our mutual friend Adrian Crawford has talked about this a lot. Like, you, if he's got to be something. It's He was nothing again in the UNC Greensboro game. And I thought, is this where we're going? Are all of our good players just going to decide to suck? Like, what has happened here? And then it was nice to see him to return to form. Look, now I go into a game and I just fully expect that Raekwon Evans is going to give us absolutely nothing because that's all he's given us the entirety of this year. Maybe. But at least I – Sunday, it's his time. Oh, Him and Tenor. He's due, Ray, man. Raekwon Evans and Tenor Nagam. We're going to call it the Raekwon Nagam game. That's how it's hey, going to be known for years. They're to just going to run pick and rolls. You know, Michigan <laughs> hadn't prepared for it. They haven't prepared for the Evans Nagam pick and roll at the top of the key, and it's just going to be nothing but Nagam raining through. Raekwon Evans is due, I mean, to have three years worth of good games as bad as he's been. I, I don't. Listen, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. Uh, I, I, I'm ready to move on. Well, it's but the, pro the problem for real with him, and we shouldn't speak too negatively about a team that's in the Sweet 16 that played overall pretty darn well this weekend, especially on one side of the court. But he's five of his last 35 from the floor over a 13-game stretch, which is impossible. Corey, don't, document, don't document what our eyes have been telling us for months. He's terrible. But, but what was an issue, especially in the first part of that game and really the whole UNC Greensboro game when he was on the court, He's not even pre pretending to be an offensive option. But he did finally shoot the straight That's what I'm saying. At least if you're deal. open at the top yes. of the key, dude, you have to take that shot. You can't sit but, there and not take that hey, shot. Man, how about with a modicum of confidence? Well, that I would mean, help. He, he, that no. would help. He, <laughs> he looked like hey, he so can I, can I do this? Can I do this? I, I got so mad at the end of the Didn't first back half. Did it bounce over the backboard? Yeah, it went over the backboard. Yeah. Yeah, the backboard. thing is, hey, hey. He, he doesn't usually shoot with that arc. It was like he was trying to, like, it was, I don't know what, he just, you could tell he was prayer. nervous. I, yeah. It was a prayer. So, what I would tell you is this at the end of the first half of the UNC Greensboro game, if I could have walked through the television and kicked MJ Walker in the face, I would have, because that's the dumbest pass any human being has ever made to end a half. He's wide open from three, yeah. and he's like, here you go, Raekwon Gray. Sorry you're falling out of bounds with a defender <laughs> in your face in less than a second. You get the shot off. That's the I was like, what uh, are we doing? Oh, I was, you can see how pissed Raekwon Gray was because that you can't, you can't defer responsibility like that. You're on the court to shoot. Like, that's your thing. You're, you're really good at it. I know you hadn't <laughs> made one, but you're a really good shooter. Knock it down with some confidence, dude. You're shooting like 45% from three. I would say – he almost got trumped in the very next game with Scotty Barnes's pass at the end of the half that resulted <laughs> in a layup at the buzzer on the other end. Like, yeah. we, they, they would be better off to, if they're against Michigan. It's 29 27. They're down with 12 seconds left and they're running out the clock. Just essentially take a knee. Don't even try to engage in the offense because who knows what's going to happen. Michigan will end up hitting a four point play because something crazy happens. Either Kick shoot it. it from half court with two seconds left or don't bother passing the ball. Just kick it to Raekwon Gray and say, do something, and we're going into half. By the way, boys, it's time for hour number two. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio.